and Rosemary is joining me. Bye. You all right, Rosemary? Okay, um, everyone will be um, covering a draft letter and annex regarding the committee's consideration of simultaneous interpretation. Um, so I would advocate that we do this business in open session. It would be my own preference. Are members content to agree this? Agreed. Okay. I haven't heard any dissenting voices, so I'm just going to accept that as agreement. Um, we haven't, we've got a full quorum. Um, so our draft minutes of the 19th of May 2021 are at page five. Are you all content to agree the minutes of the 19th, 19th of May? Agreed. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Thank you. Um, so we're waiting on Emma. Emma, we're waiting on Emer. Sorry, can we bring Emma into the spotlight, please? Yes, that's Emma in the spotlight now. Okay. So um, you may you may remember our uh, the House of Commons Procedure Committee inquiry briefing, um, and you'll recall that we agreed to provide a response. Uh, to that, uh, the House of Commons Procedure Committee inquiry. So in order to help us uh, form our response, we agreed to commission research in respect of the third aspect of the inquiry, which is seeking our views on the procedural steps required to facilitate, or facilitate greater joint working between committees of each of the UK's devolved legislators and committees so at page 14 of our pack, there's a cover note from Emer. And at page 18, Reamer, Emer has provided us with the research paper. And today we're joined by Emma Dello Perry, uh, who will brief the committee um, on that paper. So Emma, um, you're more than welcome um, if you're happy to start your briefing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Chair. Uh so, as you were saying, this is in relation to the procedural steps required to facilitate greater joint working between committees uh, of each of the UK's devolved legislatures and committees of the House of Commons for purposes including shared scrutiny of intergovernmental working on policies, policy areas of common interest. So, obviously, cooperation between governments and parliaments is one of the necessary consequences of devolution, and the forms of that cooperation can be divided into three main categories. That's intergovernmental cooperation, parliamentary cooperation, and cooperation between committees. Of these three, the most well-established and robust is intergovernmental relations. Mm -hmm. There are a few examples in the paper, but for the purposes of setting context, we're just going to focus on the Joint Ministerial Committee in this presentation. So the JMC is the primary machinery for intergovernmental relations, and it's based on procedures laid out in Memoranda of Understanding. The JMC doesn't have a formal meeting schedule. There is no right of consultation conferred on the devolved administrations. All proceedings are confidential and reported by way of joint communique. The JMC is a consultative body rather than an executive body, so it reaches agreement rather than making decisions. And it consists of a number of subcommittees and an overarching plenary committee. 
at the minute, the most active subcommittee is the J JMC European Negotiations Committee. Um, and that has met over 20 times since the UK's exit from the EU. And to put that in context, that's more times than the plenary committee has met at all. So the JMC European negotiations and the JMC structure has received some criticism for irregular meetings and a lack of transparency. And the Dunlop review has recommended that the JMC be replaced by a UK intergovernmental council with an independent secretariat, which is more open to scrutiny. And the idea would be that uh, there's more accountability to parliaments for what goes on in the JMC. So the, a review of intergovernmental re relations has been set up by the UK government and it has a, a three, so far, it hasn't reported formally, but so far it's recommending a three-tier structure. That would be engagement on portfolios between ministers, engagement on cross-cutting issues, and a, a UK intergovernmental council, which replaces the JMC. So that will still proceed by way of agreed statements and communiques, although it will have, <clears throat> pardon me, an independent secretariat. And again, ministers involved will be accountable to individual legislatures. So this becomes relevant when we look at the common frameworks process, because that relies heavily on the agreement of the Joint Ministerial Council uh, European Negotiations Committee. And there is a diagram in your packs, I think at uh, somewhere around two, which should show the process of developing common frameworks. And these will engage obviously with areas of devolved responsibility. And it does remain to be seen how scrutiny will be carried out if the UK Intergovernmental Council is established before the Common Frameworks process is completed. There are other forms of intergovernmental relations. So you've got the British Irish Council, you've got the North-South Ministerial Body and so on, which are referred to in the paper. And briefly, we, we also have interparliamentary relations, although this is not so much a, a decision-making body, it tends to be sort of consultative forum work. So you've got the British Irish Parliamentary Assembly, uh, the Interparliamentary Forum on Brexit, which has not really met recently. Um, it's, it's not quite clear what's happening with that. There's also a, a possibility for a parliamentary partnership assembly to be set up under the terms of the trade and cooperation agreement between the EU and the UK. Um, that will scrutinize the impl implementation of that agreement from the uh, and be able to ask for documents from the partnership council but as far as i'm aware that hasn't been established yet so that's just a brief sort of context setting of um what kind of structures already exist between governments and parliaments for the collaborative work and to move on to intercommittee relations these where you have those quite robust structures of the jmc you don't have anything quite as robust when you're looking at intercommittee relationships, except for one example. So briefly put, there are four main forms of intercommittee relations. Uh, the first is the formal model, the guesting model, the visiting model, and the twin track model. Now, other than the formal model, any committee of any house or legislature can adopt the procedures that are mentioned. So we'll take the formal model first. Uh, this only applies to the Welsh Affairs Committee and committees of the Senate. Unlike the others, it is based on a specific provision in the Standing Orders, namely Standing Order 137A3 of the House of Commons Standing Orders, 
and 17.53 and 17.54 of the Sena. Uh, those are attached in your appendix as well. So the House of Commons Standing Orders allow the Welsh Affairs Committee specifically to meet with any committee of the Senate. The standing orders of the Senate are, are drafted a bit more liberally. They allow any committee of the Senate to meet with any other committee of any legislature in the UK. This was originally designed as a temporary measure uh, to deal with the transport bill, but it was so successful uh, that it was voted in as a, as a permanent mechanism because it avoids duplication of evidence and it avoids duplication of effort. So the... The features of this model would be laid out, uh, or are laid out, sorry, on page 32 of your pack. There's a table there. But just to take you through them briefly, it, it, because it takes place within the ordinary bounds of committee work, uh, the committee can sit as a joint committee. It can call for evidence. It can issue joint reports. And in those evidence sessions, it takes advantage of parliamentary privilege. The, this is because the standing orders of the House of Commons allow that work to take place under the auspices of the Welsh Affairs Committee, whereas when it comes to uh, devolved legislatures, they are creatures of statute, and so they don't get parliamentary privilege. So that's the, that's the formal model. The guesting model has been relied upon by the Scottish Affairs Committee uh, to work with the Social Security Committee of the Scottish Parliament. These are ordinary proceedings of either committee in which the, the other committee is entered into the record as witnesses, but they are allowed by the chair to question witnesses which are brought in for that purpose. So in those circumstances, the report can't be published as a joint report. In this case, they were sent as individual letters to cabinet ministers. Um, because of the way parliamentary privilege work, it, it's only sessions which are the sessions of the Scottish Affairs Committee where the evidence is privileged although you can enter it into the record and the written form will be privileged. And it's worth noting, noting that when giving evidence on how this procedure works, Pete Wishart, MP of the Scottish Affairs Committee, expressed a view that the model employed by the Welsh Committee was uh, the best option available, and, and he expressed a desire to see that brought in for everybody. Uh, thirdly, we have the visiting model, and this is the one most frequently used by the Northern Ireland Assembly and the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee. And it's it's the term I'm using to describe a situation where MLAs go as witnesses to the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee, which took place a lot during the hiatus with Stormont, um, or where you can have committees come over here to visit in Stormont and, and take evidence as normal parts of the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee proceedings. So they would, those meetings would attract parliamentary privilege. I suppose the difference really lies in the fact that it is scrutiny of a sort because you're getting to you're getting to question witnesses, but it's not joint scrutiny either in the way that the guesting model would provide or in the way the formal model would provide. And again, Simon Hoare MP gave evidence to the Procedure Committee referencing the desirability of a more formal basis for joint committee work. Fourthly, and finally, we've got the twin track model. Uh, that's been used to facilitate joint working between the Assembly Nationale of the, um, the Defence Committee in the House of Commons. That joint working had already been set up, but it usually met privately. In this case, it agreed to hold a joint inquiry into the future cruise anti-warship programme. Again, not all evidence could be privileged, 
but the defence committee entered evidence into the record as written evidence, so the written form attracted privilege. The report was drafted as a memorandum and exchanged between the committees to allow input from both. Ultimately, both committees published an identical report, uh, sorry, an identical version of the same report independently and simultaneously. Um, so that allowed it to go into their individual legislatures. So that that model is called the twin track model because the the formal decisions of the committee provided cover or were sorry I've got that the wrong way around the informal decisions of the committee were provided cover for with the formal decisions of the committee so that's that's the four sort of models um obviously with the informal models the guesting visiting and the twin track approach you don't need to take any specific procedural steps it's just a question of committees communicating and deciding to operate in that particular way when it comes to the formal model the procedural steps are an amendment of the standing orders of any legislature that wishes to partake in in joint committee work um ultimately it, it's a matter for other legislatures if, if they wish to reciprocate and it's uh, but for the Northern Ireland Assembly, it's a question of a cross-community vote um, to amend the standing orders. And it's for the procedure committee itself to decide what specific amendment it wants to make, whether it wants to go down the sort of the House of Commons model of using a territorial committee to meet with another specific committee, or whether it wants to draft its standing orders in a more liberal fashion to allow it to meet with a committee of any devolved or central uh, legislature. So um, that's a very quick tour through the procedural steps involved and, and what we can do. I'm happy to take any questions. Emma, thank you very much. Um, you're, I, mean, I, I read your, your report and um, it probably is, it's, it is an issue that this committee needs to decide upon, particularly in terms of their contribution to the, the House of Commons procedures review. Mm -hmm. um, certainly it, it's made our job easier. Members, I'm going to throw it open to questions. Does anybody have any questions here for Emma? Emma, has anybody indicated? No hands raised at the minute and nothing in the chat. Emma, you've seemed to get off today lately. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure, um, like other members, I want to thank you for your report. It's very detailed, but for me, it clearly lays out the, the, the different positions from each of the legislators and the relationship, particularly to Westminster and, and for that matter to each other. So I just want to put that on the record and, and thank you for your report and your appearance at today's committee. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Okay. Um, Emer, that's that's is what it is. Um, and that's a good reference for us when we're writing our contribution. To be fair to Emma, it's very comprehensive. So, um, in relation to, let me see, where are we now? Um, so we're down to the temporary. Staten orders, temporary provisions. Um, and just to remind you that at the last meeting, we agreed to seek the views of uh, the Business Committee and the CLG on whether support for further extension to the temporary provisions and Staten orders. 
So can I draw your attention to page 39 um, of your pack? And Aimer has provided us with the paper at page, pages three and four of your tabled items. Um, and their responses from the business committee and the CLG. So the committee can either do nothing, let the provision cease, or have an effect or agree today to extend, for example, to the end of the mandate. Uh, so just by way of information, the business committee has recommended extending the temporary provisions to the end of the year. The CLG has indicated a preference to extend to the end of the mandate, but it's an extension to the end of the year. So, members, I just want to take your views on this. Linda and Jerry, Carol. Okay, Linda, away you go. Um, just from my own recollection, Carl, whenever um, I was chairing the meeting, if it's extended, it's it's a very simple procedure to remove that extension. So you're probably better having it there for longer and removing it rather than having to keep coming back to it would, would be yeah. one view. But I, I mean, I'm not hard and fast on, but I just think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, what about yourself? Thanks, Linda, for that. Jerry, what about yourself? Yeah, sure. I agree with that. And, and obviously, the the end of the mandate could be before the end of the year. So there's all that issues that we'll look into obviously today, but uh, I think it's better to have it in a longer time period and rather than having to come back to it time to end of the end. So I'd be for extending it uh, to the end of the mandate. Okay. Emer, thanks, thanks for that, Jerry. Emer, did anybody else indicate they want to speak in this issue? Emer, you're muted. Tom has hand raised and then Morris. Okay, Tom, go for it. Yeah, Chair. Uh, yeah, as as uh, one of as has been previously said, it's easy enough uh, getting out of it in a sense. So I think yeah, I'd be happy enough to go to the end of the uh, mandate with it, because if we need to um, uh, undo it at any time along along the line, then it's easy enough to do that. And rather than continually coming back to this issue, I yeah. think we should go to the end of the mandate with it. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, Tom. Morris, yourself. No, I'm happy enough. Tom has, has raised the point, and I would be happy to the end of the mandate with the opportunity of, of uh, reviewing it if necessary. Yeah. Good stuff. Emer, did anybody else indicate that they want to come in? Sinead. Hi, Sinead. Just to say, agreed, Chair. Thank you. Good stuff. Okay. Um, Emer, did anybody else indicate? No, that's, no, no, nobody else indicating currently. Okay, so um, can we just take that that the committee wishes to extend the temporary provision till the end of the mandate? And there was a draft, a draft motion there as well. Yeah, at, at appendix one, page forty-two yeah. of the pack. Yeah, so happy to agree that as well. And instead of date in hard brackets, insert phrase end of mandate. Yes, please. Now, just check members are agreed with that motion then. Member, do you all agree with the motion? Yes, Chair. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Emer. Thank you um, for that. So, um, in relation to correspondence, um, 
you'll remember the chairperson, well, you might not remember, but the chairperson of the Women's Caucus have written to us at page 44 of your pack. Um, and I just want to inform the committee that you might well want to consider whether um, a mechanism could be established within Stanton order to allow the Women's Caucus to table motions and be added to the order paper. You'll note that the speaker has highlighted alternative ways to achieve this without amending Stanton orders. So given that there are alternative ways in which the Women's Caucus to table can table motions, and given the committee's business work programme for the remainder of the mandate, I, I am suggesting that the committee responds to the chairperson advising that this committee is not in a position to prioritise additional work um, on you know, to our work programme, but we'll keep keep it in mind should time allow. And I think that's a far enough position given the fact that the speaker has indicated that there are ways in which the Women's Caucus can put business down for debate in the Assembly. So are members content with that? Yes, sure. Yeah. Okay, so um, at page 46, Emer has given us a memo from the, is it the CAMS office informing members that their party staff, that spaces are available for social training. So we might just want to register uh, their interest and the details provided. Um, so it's just a note on page 49, um, the Human Rights Commission have provided us with their meditation of their newsletter. Are we content to note this as well? Yeah. Okay. Um, at page 62 is our draft work programme. I'm just asking, are you all still content to agree the forward work programme? Agreed. Um, there's no chairperson's business. Do members have any other items of business? No, Emer? Okay, so... Um, we're gonna move we're gonna we're gonna go into our session. Um so this is around the NDM, NDNA commitments for committee on procedures on simultaneous translation and summary. So I just want to remind you that at the last committee meeting we agreed that provision for simultaneous and passive interpretation should be made available in the assembly and for EMER to bring back a draft motion for consideration at our meeting today. Um, we also agreed to ask Gamer to provide a summary of the NDNA commitments, which may have an impact on assembly staff orders and to seek an update from the executive. So Omer's provided us with a memo at page 67 and again at page 83 is the response from the executive. Um, so I just want us to look at the draft motion, which is on page 72, and to ask if com committee members are agree to, uh, are content to agree the draft motion in Annex A. Is that agreed, Emer? Oh, there's Thomas. Thomas, go for it. Hello, um, uh, and again, uh, the motion here, yeah, I have looked at the motion, and um, yeah, I'm just not happy at this moment in time to agree the motion that is before us, uh, to agree for it to go to the floor of the assembly, if you like, because 
I do believe that we have a lot of other pressing issues, such as uh, our, especially our health, and we have our education as well. But for me, the health is the big issue where we are. And this motion, obviously, is calling on the Assembly Commission to provide the uh, interpretation and also uh, is calling uh, for arrangements to be put in place. And when we look down at that, we know what the cost of that is associated with, about 350000 and um, I think that we do have, um, well, maybe maybe a crisis is the wrong word to use, but we, we do have a, a situation within our health service where we have quite a number of people on waiting lists, waiting to get uh, surgeries and waiting to get appointments and all of this type of thing. And I think we have to set priorities. And, and for me at this moment in time, while I'm a great ma a person, if you like, into whole culture aspect of things. Uh, I do think that we we'll have to set priorities, and uh, priority at this time for me is health and education. And therefore, I don't think that I could agree for a motion like this to go before the the floor of the assembly, where we are asking them to spend money on cultural issues and language issues that, um, for for from my perspective, takes. Uh, secondary place to the health of our people. Uh, that, that gives me uh, some, uh, some concern. And what I have seen, uh, and I know at the last meeting I did mention the party leaders forum, and I do know the party leaders forum are meeting tomorrow afternoon at um, four o'clock. And what I would ask, and, and I would ask the, the, the committee to give consideration to this, that we would uh, pass this over to the party leaders forum, ask the party leaders to take a decision on this particular issue and to, or take a view on it, if you like, and to come back to our committee with a view on this for the next meeting. And, and I know you, uh, some people might think this is delaying it for another two weeks, but I, I think, uh, to, to be fair, I think that's the way that we should move forward on this, given the issues that we have before us at this moment in time, uh, and what was her health uh, service, with her education, with all of these things. Uh, I, I would ask uh, through you, Chair, that the uh, committee would give consideration to this, and I'm happy to make out a proposal uh, if required. Thank you, um, Tom. I've got, Emer, if I'm right, I've got Jerry and then Linda, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Jerry, go for it. Yeah, thanks, Chair. Um, I'm happy to um, support the uh, uh, proposed wording of, of the motion. And um, I mean, Tom said about a crisis, and you know, obviously our health service isn't a crisis, but it hasn't been caused by you know an Irish language act or an attempted Irish language act or, or translation services in the assembly. And I suspect that the, the comments from Tom is more a reflection of the crisis in his in his own party. Um, and that's, uh, I think it is an attempt to try and stall and, and stop and stemmy uh, any progression on this uh, issue. So uh, I think that the, the wording is reflective of what we decided um, at the last committee. Um, I could probably say more on it, but I just want to speak just in favour uh, of the of the wording, uh, and I'm uh, content for it to, to go to the floor. Thank you. I've got Linda, and then I've got Nicola, and then I've got Gary. Thank you, Chair. Um, probably what I was going to say is going to pretty much reflect what 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 Jerry has just said, and I don't see the point in repeating other people's words. So, um, but but I do think that 
Whilst I absolutely agree health has to be a priority and I think to be fair to all of us in this meeting and, and outside of this meeting, I don't think there's an MLA across the House or a minister in the executive that wouldn't agree with that and I, and I do believe that's why everybody has agreed that we will do our very best to remove politics from health and try to deal with that situation. But I, I don't think that you drop everything else that's happening in the Assembly. I can certainly tell you we have four pieces of legislation currently coming through the Justice Committee and hopefully we'll have another, we'll have the Justice Bill, I'm trying to remember what day it is, um, agreed tomorrow in the Executive and, and we'll have that coming before us. And I wouldn't for one minute say let's set all of that aside because there's really important stuff in that around protecting victims of domestic and sexual violence, around protecting people right across our society, around hopefully and potentially raising the, the age of criminal responsibility, which will protect our children from being held criminally responsible from the age of 10. All of those things are massively important. Health, absolutely. Top priority for every MLA, I have no doubt. But it's not in competition to everything else we're doing. We have to try and do as much as we can. That's our job. And our job is to legislate and to get as, as much through this assembly as we can. And I think we just work together to do that. that that's my view. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Nicola? Thank you, Chair. Um, I'll just agree with what um, Jerry and Linda both said there. First of all, I agree to the word, wording of that motion. And um, I think some people might consider it a bit disingenuous to try and pit um, this motion against the um, struggles and um, that the health service is facing and the weightiness that we're facing. So I really don't agree with that point at all. Um, as Linda quite rightly said, you know, we can't just drop everything else either, all other assembly business. Um, and at the last procedures committee meeting, the same proposal was made and it wasn't agreed, it wasn't supported. So I do think it's time that um, this draft motion was supported and put forward to the assembly. And we know these services are long overdue within the um, assembly floor. So I do think that it's time to, to push that forward. So thank you. Thank you, Nicola. Gary? Uh, thanks, Chair. Um, Chair, I'm obviously coming just to agree with uh, my, my colleague Tom's uh, proposal in relation to the Party Leaders Forum. Uh, I think that these are uh, issues which need to be addressed. Uh, they are issues which need to be addressed uh, at a leadership level. Uh, I know that Tom has alluded to the fact that there will be a Party Leaders meeting tomorrow uh, afternoon, uh, which is the right place for that. Because one of the concerns that I have uh, and it's quite evident that some uh, MLAs want this to be the case. The New Decade New Approach was a package of, of measures, a package of proposals, which for some of us, there were things in it that we're not overly, overly comfortable with, uh, and, and that applies to all politicians. But it was the overall package which brought many MLAs to the table and said, well, you know what, we need, we need an executive and we need a storm on three years with Sturmont uh, has done nothing to further um, further any community. Uh, and the New Day new approach was seen as a, as a position where we could try and, and bring about uh, a, a settled agreement. Um, what we're seeing at this minute in time, and hence the reason why there, there will be a party leaders forum, is that you know we need to work out a way that we can bring uh, everything through um, in a way that, that is fair and that it's balanced. And if we're, you know, going ahead, so for example, 
and uh, you know the, the issue of you know funding for police officers, the issue of the military covenant, the the the, the issues that you know affect you know the, the northwest and, and my constituency. You know, these are all issues which need to be dealt with, but nobody seems to be putting the same emphasis into addressing those issues. Uh, so this isn't about you know pitting one issue against another. It's about saying let's do this in a fair way and in a way that people feel that their issue isn't been uh, you know put, put above um, you know anyone else's. So the hence the, I, I think we need to send this to the party leader forum. Uh, we we put a time limit on it, and they come back to us uh, by the next meeting. Uh, and we move forward on that basis. I think that the language we need to be very, very sensitive. We don't want this to, you know, to, to turn into to something that it shouldn't. So I think that uh, you know the party leaders' forum is the place for this should be debated. But uh, thanks, chair. That's my views. Thank you for that, Gary. And then I've got Sinead, and then I'll come back myself. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, chair, and uh, appreciate the words of all contributions just to go on record that I do support the wording of the motion but I do take on board the comments made um, by Tom and Gary and it you know the new decade new approach is a package and there are things in there that we all want to see delivered and we may be more passionate about some of some of the elements than others but I take the view that um, those issues have all landed out in their relevant committees and on the shoulders of those who have the gift of moving them. And some people, and, and I include the Secretary of State on this, I particularly think of the victims, have reneged so far on actually delivering on some of those promises. But I don't believe that it should be on our watch or on this committee's watch that we backtrack on what has been agreed. Um, I think it sets an example to all those who have a role to play in delivering New Decade New Approach. And uh, going back to the the leaders, that's where this has come from. This has come from the leaders via an agreement to this committee. And I think this is an example of how politics should be done. When you've agreed something, you honour it, whether it's bits in it you like it or you don't like. You don't go keep weighing the scales, you crack on in good faith. And I think we do need to move on this. And I do think it sets an example that we can come together um, cross-party to say to the likes of the Secretary of State, step up, we are, you know, we're, we're willing to take everything on board and move on. So I think it's important, I think it's an important principle that we do move forward um, and it, it just shows honour in any agreement because if we don't, you know, it, it could become like a lot of agreements of the past and you, you start to question the validity, validity of any of them. So I think the principle as well as the topic it is important. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Sinead. We've got Morris next. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Chair. Uh, Chair, I'll be brief because uh, enough lot has been said there. But I, I, in my my own way of thinking things, it's important to honour any agreement that you enter into. Uh, it's a question of faith. Uh, it's a question of trust. So I, I would be keen for the full implementation of the of the agreement in all its parts. And I, I don't think that by delaying this by two weeks. It's going to make an overall impact. Uh, as Gary said, we need to send it to the, the party leaders' uh, timestamp that it must come back to us for our next meeting. And at our next meeting, uh, if that's, this is the recommendation from the committee at the next meeting, then that, that's a different matter. I would be happy enough. But it's important that we honour all aspects of the, of the agreement, each and every one of us, because it's a matter of trust. Thank, Thank you, Chair. 
Thank, thank you, Morris. I appreciate everything that everyone said. Emer, is that everyone? Yes, ma'am. Else indicating. Okay, so just just as a reminder, at our last committee meeting on the nineteenth of May, the motion to go to party leaders was proposed, and it was also voted down. Um, so Emer, um, um, the other aspect of it is, where is the procedure to refer things to party leaders? Because I haven't seen it, so I'm just I want some advice on that, please. Um, yes, can I ask um, for Paul to speak to that item, Chair? Because we looked into this yesterday. Good afternoon, uh, Chair. Afternoon, committee. Uh, hopefully, you can all hear me. Okay. So, yes, Paul. Uh, I suppose there are two points here. One is the fact that the the committee has already taken its decision in respect of this matter, uh, and it's not in order in those circumstances for the committee at its next meeting then to to rescind that. So. As you mentioned at last uh, at the last meeting, there was a proposal that the matter be referred to party leaders. That proposal was defeated. There was a proposal that the committee should bring forward a motion to give effect to this. That proposal uh, uh, was carried, uh, and that's why there's the the draft motion in front of you today. So, from a procedural perspective, it wouldn't now be in order for the committee to consider a question about whether or not to refer this matter to the party leaders forum. That's not to say that it has to take a decision on the wording of the motion today. That matter is still open to the committee if it wished, but it's not in order, if you like, to, to rescind what the committee's previously agreed. And I don't know whether that makes then the second part of this. Yeah, that's the party leaders. What What is the procedure for and thanks to party leaders? Because I can't see any. Yeah, so NDNA sets out that there would be a party leaders forum, but it's very clear that this is an informal arrangement. There's nothing in the procedures of the Assembly, for example, to put in place some sort of formal mechanism for the Assembly or the committee to refer matters to the party leaders forum. So any referral uh, presumably was to be done on an informal basis, presumably by parties themselves, although that's not to say that I suppose that if an individual committee wanted to draw something to the party leaders forum, that they would perhaps write to the five leaders of those parties in order to manage it in that way. Okay, so that's clear for me. Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Emer. So the proposal is that we agree the draft wording of the motion, um, because there really isn't any other proposal on the table. So I'm just going to go straight to a vote. Um, so, Emer, do you want to keep me right here? I need to put everybody in the spotlight. Yes, I'll ask for um, broadcasting, first of all, to move to the grid view. Um, Providing and any officials just turn off our cameras. And then um, ask the members to make a proposal again, Chair, and do for an so I I'm proposing that um the 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 warden the draft warden or the warden on the draft motion said I'd be agreed to front of the assembly. So um I'm I'm I I'm gonna to go to Tom next. Members agreed for the motion, first of all. So chair, members agreed. I Aye. Nicola, Aye. Sinead, Linda, and Chair. Yes. 
and Jerry. Mm -hmm. So members against? Um, Gary Morris. I can't see Rosemary. She must have dropped out her connection seemed bad. Do you want to just check if you can get Rosemary there? She's not showing us in the meeting any longer, Carl. Okay. So um so the motion's carried. Carried. Okay, thank you. Okay, um let me see. So Amy, the next item of business is The Annex B to the um, committee report, so it starts on page 73. 73. Yeah, and if we're content with the draft letter and its annexes, or do members have any questions? I think everybody's content. I can't hear, see anybody offering any comment. Emer, what about you? Can you see any? No hands raised or comments. Okay, and can I also ask um, the committee if it wishes to embargo the letter and the annex until the debate? Do you have any views on that? What would be the rationale, Chair? There, it's just it's just custom practice, Jerry. It's there's no it's that's all it is. I mean, I'm relaxed about it, so people mm -hmm. want to keep it as it is, and it should be. Like any other, in my opinion, any other item for debate is on the new date list, and when the other papers are due, it's, it's published, so I think it should be, but that's my view. Yeah, I'd, I'd be for being published as well, sure, because it kind of, uh, sometimes people hear this issue and they can kind of, concoct up all sorts of issues that, that aren't contained in it, so I'd be for being uh, published as well. Okay, Gary, thanks for that. Uh, any other members with any other views? No? Okay, we're just, we're not embargoing, we're just doing the normal procedure. No, and, but lastly, if I see of your member, Emer's member, anyone moving in DNA commitments, which may have an impact on starting orders. Are we content to note the summary? Agreed. Okay, thank you. So um, that's all our business. Uh, date and time of the next meeting will be Wednesday, the 16th of June at 2.30 via Starleaf. Emer, we just want to thank you for your work today and for all the officials on the call. Um, and just for everybody, thank you for your attendance and contributions today and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Come on, good church. Thank you. Twenty-nine. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room twenty-nine.